Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diocese to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto and my pronouns are he, him. So welcome back for episode three of So You Think You Can Rule Persia. And today's episode is Syaxares. Oh, interesting. Yes, and it's the first person that is actually historically attested with that name. We know he exists, which is neat. A real person, not just a legend. A definitely real person that we know exists. Or as maybe was a person or two or three different people, or maybe it was all made up. So we actually have, like, maybe more reliable sources this time? I mean, it's not that the sources are more reliable, it's just that the facts are more reliable. Like, the things that happen are bigger, are large enough that we notice, oh, okay, this person had to exist for this to happen. So, in the last episode, priorities united a whole series of different Iranian people, among which the Persians, so we finally managed to get to Persia in the last episode. And together with them and the Scythians and a whole other group of rebels that were fighting against the Assyrians, they tried to take down the aging empire, but unfortunately for our side, Phraortes was killed in battle. The battle was lost. It was a little bit anticlimactic, which was a shame because it was like a really cool battle with like all the different communities, all the different tribes essentially coming together against one common foe. And then the Assyrians still won. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, they were on their way out, but unfortunately not yet. Yeah. So there's still one last hurrah, but as we'll see in this episode, the Assyrians are slowly just aiming downhill and going towards their end. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that they were facing several different rebellions. One of them in Egypt and things within their empire. Yeah. The Egypt that they conquered like a decade before Mm -hmm. rebelled and became independent again. Then there's Babylon trying to become independent. Mm. Then there are civil wars for the throne in the middle. It's a mess. They were the biggest empire at the time, or the first big empire, but immediately kind of collapsed. Yeah, I mean, they were the first to be that large, Mm -hmm. but it lasted for like eight years and then everything went to hell. Okay. Well, so we're picking up now when maybe they're not that much of a threat. Well, first of all, we're picking up directly after Phraortes has died. Oh, right. So after the battle. Yes. After the battle, Syaxares is the prince of Media. And uh, while historically we don't really know if he was uh, actually the son of Phraortes, because in the future there's going to be somebody who is called Phraortes who claims to be a descendant of Syaxares. So maybe there is some mix-up between descendant, parents, that sort of... We're still struggling with the veracity of certain facts and what happened when. And is this just a bit of a broken telephone or not? Especially for the earliest parts, it's a lot of who knows, maybe. And then as we go forward, as we get closer, we start to get more concrete evidence. Because this is still... 150 years before Herodotus started to write. Yeah. So it's still... So you're still trying to piece together things from the past. And humans tend to forget stuff. Yeah, you're not going to remember small details about, oh, this king was the son of this other king. Especially if that royal family isn't in power anymore for some reason. Or if nobody wrote it down, which I don't know if somebody did, so... Yeah, they don't tend to write things down a lot at this time and in this place. So the idea is that it's a lot more difficult to remember. Well, Herodotus is supposed to be the first historian as like we understand history right now. So I assume we don't, we sadly do not have that much information from before. Yeah. And also from before, generally the idea is that a king will write a big block of stone saying, I am king. Mm. So and so I did these You had the achievements, but not yes. right, right, right. Okay. So let's get started yes. with Syaxares. Right, so at the beginning of Syaxari's reign, as we saw, his potential father was Mm. killed in battle against the Assyrians. Sad, sad, sad. So now we have a bit of a weird thing from Herodotus, which might be a mix-up, but it could be. Literally everything you've told me from Herodotus might be a mix-up. Like, this does not change things. That's his vibe. Mm. So at the beginning of his reign, Syaxari's apparently marched against Nineveh to try and avenge his father. Nineveh. It's the capital of the Assyrians. Right. Okay. Where outside which uh, Phraortes died. Mm. So, so he so, marches there to try and avenge his father. Yes. So he tries and summons the remaining forces he had, tries to get revenge. 
But unfortunately, outside uh, Nineveh, he is attacked by the Scythians, who have been employed as mercenaries by the Assyrians now. So what happens is that the Assyrians, together with their Scythian mercenaries slash allies, manage to defeat the Medians, and Cyaxares is forced to retreat back into his homeland. They're not doing great, the Medians. No, it's their, not their a great start. And win to lose ratio in battles. Yeah, it's not ideal. Which is also why it might be not real, because there yeah. isn't much physical evidence, especially in the Assyrian sources, for this extra battle. So it might just be Herodotus consulting different sources, and, mm. and one is saying, oh, the battle happened at the end of Frorotes reign, one saying, oh no, it was the beginning of Cyaxari's reign. Sometime, like at that point, so, yeah. somewhere. Roughly there, the yeah. point is, media loses, Assyria wins. Established. Yes. Yeah. And the issue is that Herodotus also tells us that the Medians were so badly defeated that the Scythians were able to claim overlordship over Media for 28 years. Oh, that's really bad. That's like exactly the opposite that we were trying to accomplish. Yes, it is not a good deal. And yeah, the issue is that it's probably not just like an empire as you would think of it. Yeah. Like somebody just conquering the Medians. It's more likely that it was either the Scythians invading Media and just demanding some tribute, or they were just raiding it often enough that it was as yeah. if they owned the place. So Cyaxares then retreats to Media, sort of semi under the Scythians. It's unclear, but mm. he retreats to lick his wounds and he prepares to sort of build back. And Can he? Regain what he did. Because it looks pretty terrible. They are now under Assyrian rule, kind of. Uh, Scythians, just because, but yes. Well, but they work for the Assyrians, right? I mean, sort of. They work for the Assyrians for as long as the Assyrians have money. Oh, uh, okay. So really the Scythians are the problem. Yeah. Not so much the Assyrians. But still, not good for media. They're still being Definitely kind not. of no, invaded no. by a different... Okay. So do they have the strength to build back like do they have the riches and the power to do it because if they're being constantly raided i would assume it's kind of difficult to you know build back if you don't have the means yeah it is difficult to build back they don't exactly have the means at the moment <laughs> okay but because also they lost this massive battle where you can assume that roughly a generation of fighting age men has been exterminated yeah, yeah. So the idea is that you need to wait and chill for a moment, and then later on, once a new generation has come of age, you'll be able to actually do all of what you're planning. And I assume they will be able to do it. I assume the Scythians give them enough of a break to actually be able to bring up the next generation and hopefully have enough food for everyone and enough resources to rebuild whatever has been destroyed and... Yeah, it looks like whatever arrangement they ended up having, the Scythians are not destroying media. They're probably just keeping it there saying, hey, pay us this certain amount of goods every year mm. and we won't come and burn your cities okay. down. And media apparently has enough to make sure that this great, deal great. is held up. Okay, so they can build back and recover. Yes. So, after being sort of left alone by the Scythians, at least in a certain quantity... Cyaxares manages to slowly rebuild Media. We don't have many details about what he does here, but bit by bit he seems to re-strengthen his people and ensure that they are strong enough at least to hold their own against any potential foreign powers. Okay, time for round two, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So Cyaxares is now having this nice training montage where he goes and talks to all his men and just starts to train them ruthlessly so that everybody is ready when the time comes to take their revenge. speech and everything. Yes, like, fun motivational speeches. There's slow motion and everything. It's mm. very impressive. Cool. And Herodotus tells us that actually Cyaxares is a strong warrior king mm. because he is apparently the first man in media to decide to divide the army up based on how it's composed. Oh, okay. So it's no longer just a big clump of people running at another big clump of people. Wait, so there wasn't that much battle strategy then in the army? It seems like the Medians at least didn't have that mm. much battle strategy. Okay. The Assyrians probably were more used to fighting with settled people. The Medians, again, they've only become like 
a kingdom. That's true. Two generations ago, they were mostly just running at people with a big clump of soldiers. But now Cyrus is trying to change that all. So he's deciding to put all the archers with the archers, all the infantry with the infantry, all the cavalry with the cavalry, to make sure that everybody can organize themselves and fight at their most effective. So the cavalry can be fast, the archers can hide and be sneaky and shoot at you, and the infantry can be still and help the others and move forward. So all of this means that media can become stronger and more able to fight with a settled people like the Assyrians, where their lack of strategy might have been one of the issues that caused their eventual defeat under Pharaohtes. makes a lot of sense, especially if the Assyrians were more used to fighting against settled people, like you said, and they had some more of a strategy. Yeah, it looks like the Medians were probably more used to some sort of guerrilla warfare in the mountains, Not just massive army versus massive army. Okay, so that makes sense why they lost. I was just feeling very bad about them. But like, yeah, superior strategy usually gives you a lot of advantage. Yeah. And now they're finally learning from their mistakes and Saixaris starts to show some promise. That's really cool. And in the meantime, the Assyrian Empire has been on fire (laughs) throughout all of this time. (laughs) They've been struggling. Yes, they've been defeated multiple times by multiple peoples, and it looks like their effective control has been mostly reduced to the core of Assyria. So the cities of Nineveh, where Mm -hmm. Pharaohtes died, and Ashur, which is the historical capital of Assyria, from which the name Assyria. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. So were these people who have defeated them in the last years, were they some of the ones that uh, Freortes put together for the first attack? It was in part. It was essentially, it's a whole combination of the Egyptians doing their own thing, the Babylonians fighting for their independence, Mm -hmm. the Urartians from the north coming and raiding a little bit. I remember Freortes talking with them, being like, hey, we have a common enemy, let's do this. Yes, so the Urartians are also part of this coalition. We can assume the Scythians were raiding Assyria because, mm-hmm. hey, a dying empire is a good thing to feast if upon. If they can't pay, they will find other ways. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, if they're nomadic, what are you going to do to them? Yeah. You can't burn their cities, they don't have any. <laughs> Such a power so, move, yeah. I love it. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm just Conquer gonna... our capital? Good luck! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just very one-sided against uh, people from the steppe, so there you are. So now Syaxari sees that, okay, now the time is right. This time we're going to make it. So he gathers all of his forces and begins to march towards the Assyrian lands and starts taking out a few of their different allies. So in 616 BC, we have that the Babylonians defeat the Assyrians and their Menaean allies. Mm. If you remember the Menaeans, they were the ones that ruled over Diochis in the very first episode. There were this little border people at the eastern edge of the Assyrian Empire. Right. They weren't very important, but they were there. Okay, good. So what happens is that Syaxares then conquers the Menaeans, who were recently defeated, and so adds that bit of territory to his land. Then he turns his sight directly to Assyria proper. So in 614, the Medians manage to occupy the north of Assyria Mm -hmm. and begin to take some of the core regions that were more closely held by the Assyrian people themselves. And specifically, and most insultingly, they managed to capture the city of Ashur. Well. (laughs) Which is the religious capital of Assyria and, you know, the heart of it. It's like capturing Rome for the Roman Empire. It's really humiliating if something like that happens to you. So they're done. The Assyrians are done. Also, I'm kind of impressed, or I guess wondering, since the Assyrians were as you said, attacked by lots of different peoples. Why were the Medians the ones to conquer Ashur, for example? Like, were the Medians doing especially well in this endeavor? It wasn't that they were doing especially well, it was just that Ashur was a lot closer to Media than oh, to anything else. so they had else. a geographical Yeah, it was just that it. they were the closest people there. Assyria is imploding from all sides. Mm-hmm. just happens that this side is closer okay, to Okay, okay. So it's not that the Medians are suddenly superior to, like, all the other peoples around them. It's just... No, they're just the first ones there. Okay. So they managed to take Ashur. That's what I was and wondering. kick butt. <laughs> and, yeah, there's a Babylonian chronicle that tells us that many Assyrians were killed in the capturing of the city. And a huge amount of loot from centuries of conquest is taken and brought back home to Media. Making the Medians no longer a small provincial kingdom... Now they are a very rich empire since they have gained 
all Amazing. of the riches of Syria. Oh, God. Okay. How the turns have tabled. So, now with Assyria being humiliated by the Medians, the other enemies of Assyria start to look to Media and say, Oh, wait, these guys know what they're doing now. They've understood okay. <laughs> that you should use cavalry separate from foot people. The cavalry can go faster if they don't have to have people running after them. They have ascended. Yes, they have finally ascended. Galaxy brain. So, Napopleser, the king of Babylon... Okay, thank you for the clarification. <laughs> Thanks. ...decides to write a treaty of friendship with Saxaris. And they say, listen, we're both trying to fight the Assyrians. We'd both be happier if the Assyrians were gone forever. Let's just join forces and crack them. And to settle this deal, they decide to go through a marriage pact. Oh, so of course. Syaxaris marries off. It's unclear if it's his daughter or his granddaughter, but... Some family... Yes, a you female know. descendant of some sort. Right. Uh, to the son of Nabopolassar, who, for those of you who know Babylonian history, is Nebuchadnezzar II. I know the name, though. Yes. Yeah. He is the famous one from all of the stuff. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, sense. basically, he is important for many reasons. He's also in the Bible. He's not oh. kind to the Jews. But, you know, not many people in history are, unfortunately. But another interesting reason you might know Nebuchadnezzar from is that his wife, i.e. Saixari's daughter mm -hmm. slash granddaughter, is the one who apparently asked the king of Babylon to build the famous hanging gardens of Babylon. Oh, that's... Oh, that's so cool! Yes. I love it. It's one of the seven wonders, right? Yes, it is one of the seven wonders of the world. Unclear if it actually existed. Like a lot of these <laughs> things, obviously. Yes. According to Herodotus, this woman really missed her homeland of media. Mm -hmm. She missed the forested mountains that are native of the area. And so she begged her husband to give her something that could remind her of her homeland. Oh, so sweet. her husband decided to build all of these towers filled with gardens and plants to remind her of her homeland. Oh, he went all out. Yes. Really. That is amazing. <laughs> when your wife is like, honey, I really miss home. Could you give me some kind of gift that could remind me of the beautiful forest? And the husband is like, yes, no problem. <laughs> yes, I am building a forest. No <laughs> postcards here. Just a full of Not even forest. a normal forest. I'm putting it in a tower. I'm yeah. building a building for a fake garden. What the... Who was the architect? Like, who had this idea? It's so cool. That is very impressive. And, wow. Also, <laughs> feel free to cut this out. The main reason why I remembered Nabucodonosor, which I don't know if you pronounce it that way in Th that English, is, that's how... That that's is, how, yeah, that's the Latin that, version of it. That yeah. is the only version I know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to try to pronounce a different one I haven't seen written down. But the only reason why I remember the name is obviously we learned about it in history class in, in high school at some point but I remember it because it was a really long and really weird name that was difficult to pronounce and so my friends and I whenever we went to some kind of pub or restaurant where they ask for your name in order to deliver your order we would put Nabucodonosor on the, <laughs> on the tab so people would have to shout it across the restaurant and it was very funny that sounds like a good tactic, I like it we were also, like, 15, so, like, you know. I mean, fair enough, it works. <laughs> there's also just nothing to do with anything here, but there's a, a Hittite king from a millennium before this, oh. which is called Shupiluliuma, and I love the name. <laughs> that is adorable! It's such a good name! So I know nothing more about this man, but I love his name. It's just memorable. Yes. Just awesome. But, back to the... Oh, right. Also, before we move on from the Hanging Gardens... I'll have to be a bit of a spoil sport and let you know that, unfortunately, there is no archaeological evidence of them existing. Well, you said that we are not sure if they're real, so... Yeah, the thing is that Greeks from later centuries will report these hanging gardens, but no Babylonians do. So, That's weird. Yeah, so one of the hypotheses is that it might just have been that Babylonians like to have a lot of plants on their buildings. Okay. And, and the Greeks, Greeks are, like, are like, whoa! <laughs> what is this? A hanging garden? It's just like a tiny potted plant yeah, on your balcony. The, the it's, no. Babylonians are just taking care of their geraniums, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so maybe the Greeks were just easily impressed, or there was a massive cool garden that nobody thought to mention. Whichever. That, that's very strange, yeah. That really makes it seem like it's not a thing. 
Yeah. Which is very sad because I love this story. Yeah. But there's a neat story, so we don't have to care. It's fine. Exactly. Also, who cares? Yeah, like, it's cool. It has no relevance, really, on this story that we're yeah, telling. Yeah, it's fine. This, the important part of the story is Saixari's daughter or granddaughter wanted Fangin Gardens. Yes. The end. And Nabucodonosor was kind enough to, like, make a whole project for her and give yeah. her amazing gardens. Because apparently they cared for each other. Yeah, so that was also a good sign for their relationship. Yeah. But anyway, we were at the point where Media and Babylonia had concluded an alliance to try and take down Assyria once and for all. Time to die. Yes. So in 612, we have the Medians and Babylonians joining together to try and capture Nineveh. Uh Once again, Saixaris is here where his father died. Possibly the third time he's been here. It's been a long time. I can imagine he's just like, okay, this is cursed. I don't know if someone just like looked at me weird or why we keep losing here. We've been doing fine. We have to do this. Yes, once and for all has to finish. So gathered in the field in front of Nineveh, we have a climactic battle with no details whatsoever. Uh, Come on! I'm sorry. Seriously? There's a good battle later on, so stay tuned for that. Okay. But the good thing about this battle is that finally the Medians and Babylonians storm into Nineveh and manage to capture the city. It is sacked and the core of Assyria is permanently broken. They did it! They did it! Yes, they've finally done it. Assyria still exists. A small army of Assyrians flees west Mm -hmm. to the Levant, but they will eventually be hunted down by other people and destroyed. But the point is that the base of of Assyria is gone. The majority of it is entirely destroyed. And the Assyrian Empire is no more. The Assyrian Empire is no more. It's no more. It's the poor Assyrian Empire. We hardly knew me. (laughs) So basically the Assyrian Empire is now divided into two parts. Mm -hmm. The south and west of it goes to the Neo-Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar II and family. Yes. While the north and the east are the spoils of Media. Hey. Media is no longer just a kingdom. It has become essentially an empire. an empire. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. Also, I have one important question. Yes. Did Cyaxares make it? Cyaxares has made it. Okay, he's he not dead. Alive. Okay, good. <laughs> no, he gets to enjoy this. Wonderful. Good job, man. Yes, and finally, they also managed to capture the kingdom of Urartu in the Caucasus that is now part of the growing Median Empire. So Assyria is now destroyed, and it is destroyed so powerfully that we have echoes of it in the Bible. And I will read for you now from the book of Ezekiel. Oh, Ezekiel is the fun one with all the angels, right? Yes. Apparently, this is, according to biblical scholars, this is a different Ezekiel who was alive at the time compared to the original Ezekiel who was there. It's complicated. Look up how the Bible was made. I'm sorry. I apologize. Please don't come for me. I don't. I know nothing. Yes, this is the Ezekiel with the weird biblical angels, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah. Okay. Good. So Ezekiel says, Assyria is there with her whole army. She is surrounded by the graves of all her slain, all who have fallen by the sword. Their graves are in the depths of the pit, and her army lies around her grave. All who had spread terror in the lands of the living are slain, fallen by the sword. Oh boy, that's that's a lot of like blood, blood, death, blood, suffering, blood, murder, lots of dead people. Yes. Especially Corpses. considering that they did do a half genocide on the Jewish kingdom they conquered. You can understand they would be happy to see the yeah, Assyrians yeah, go. Yeah. Everyone's happy the Assyrians are dead. Yeah. Nobody liked the Assyrians. No. There's also another bit from Nahum in the Bible, again, where it says, The Lord has given a command concerning you, Nineveh. You will have no descendants to bear your name. I will destroy the images and idols that are in the temples of your gods. I will prepare your grave, for you are vile. Wow. So. Talk about They're hate, not happy. Hate mail. <laughs> yeah. Whew. But, as I mentioned, Assyria, gone. Poof. Median Empire, welcome to the world. It's solved, I guess. Yeah, so Cyaxares has finally avenged his father and become the greatest Median king who has ever lived. Amazing. Because, yeah, good job. Does this count as a Persian king, though? <laughs> That is debatable. <laughs> At this point, probably. Because 
if you remember, the original deal that Frorities had with Persia was unclear. Yeah, it was like, let's help each other either by conquest or by diplomacy, and we didn't quite know. Yeah, somehow Frorities was in charge of Persia, but at this point, with media becoming so large and so powerful, it's no longer a relationship of equals. Mm -hmm. Media is essentially the overlord of Persia. Okay. Persia is still ruled by its own royal family and everything. Mm. We'll meet them later Okay, so on. they're not... Okay. Why aren't we talking about the Persian royal family then? Because they're not the important ones at this oh point. Because they're being ruled by someone else. I'm so confused. So confused by this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Persia is being ruled by media right now, so okay. it counts. It's okay. fine. I trust you listen i was just going to say i was very happy that finally we have like our first king who is like worthy of really high points because he actually achieved so many things and we kind of think that it's actually true mm -hmm. and we have data and it's awesome and he won battles and he made an empire but like it's still not persia <laughs> So, I mean, you know, if, if he's ruling over Persia, you know, the Persians are sending okay. soldiers. It's, you know... Like, I understand counts. why we're talking about him and not about the monarchy of Persia itself. I get it. It's just... Is this a running joke by now? Like, we're three episodes in and still <laughs> do not believe that we chose the right title for this podcast. It's okay. Next episode, we get to meet Persian kings from Persia who hey. live in Persia and come from Persia. Okay, because so far we have married of the daughter or granddaughter to the Babylonian yes. king. So, like, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, the Babylonians are equals. They're now two, the two halves of the Assyrian Empire. Yeah, I'm not saying it was a bad decision. I'm just saying... How is this going to be about Persia? Anyway, I guess we'll find out. We'll see. It's okay. This is mostly telling us how much Persia is now part of this larger world. Mm -hmm. It is essentially a small component of it. It's the origin story. Yeah. Persia origins. <laughs> also, just so you know, before we go forward, we've arrived to the year 600 BC, oh. which is halfway through history. Oh. Half of all of history is before this point and half of all of history is after it. Enjoy. Oh, heck. Okay. Th th thanks. Yes. You, you are now aware. I... <laughs> we can now move forward. I need to process this. Okay. Episode three, half of history done. Cool. Great. Awesome. But as we said before, media is a subject of the Scythians. So how does that work now that media is an empire? Yeah. Syxaris starts to think, I don't need to pay these guys anymore. I, have I am money stronger now. than them. Yeah, I, I have can an do army. This. I won a battle. I'm all like riled up. I'm like I'm the best freaking emperor in the whole world. Yeah, so he is now able to potentially kick them out. So what does he do? Try. <laughs> does try. Yes. <laughs> so we need to look a bit at how the Scythians were dealing with the Medians. So according to Herodotus, uh, Syxares treated the Scythians kindly as guests, because when they came over, he entrusted them with several young noble boys to educate so they could oh. learn archery in the Scythian language and become cool. trained in their manner of war. Nice. So the Scythians usually went hunting at the Median court, mm -hmm. and every day they came back bringing whatever they had caught for a feast at the royal palace. Now one day, the Scythians didn't manage to catch anything, and mm. they just came back home empty-handed and brought nothing to Syaxares. Yeah, it happens, you know, bad hunting day. But unfortunately, we are told that Syaxares was prone to anger. So when the Scythians arrived empty-handed, he treated them roughly and insulted them in some way. Mm -hmm. So he said, ah, oh, you know, what are you doing here? Why are you back without any food? What are we going to do for our feast? We've been fighting a war. What have you people been doing? You useless hunters, you had one job. Yeah, blah, that blah, sort blah. of thing. So the Scythians get pretty annoyed As you would. at this. They say, you're paying us to not attack you. Who do you we're, think you are? We're clearly the stronger party here. What are you doing? So they take one of the noble boys that they had captured. Oh, no. that they, captured? So they, <laughs> they take one of the noble boys that they had as stewards. And they take him, cut him up, and cook him. And present him to Syaxari, saying... Here's the catch of the day. I hope you enjoy it. I thought so. I had, a, I had an inkling this is what would happen. Yeah. So after all this happens, the Scythians think, 
Oh no, he looks really mad. Oh, I think we miscalculated. And they run, run, run away all the way to the kingdom of Lydia, which is to the west of Media now. Mm. And it is basically containing most of Anatolia. That is roughly modern Turkey. Okay. So it is on the western border of the Median Empire. Mm -hmm. At this point, Saxaris has decided, okay, this is a good chance to beat down on the Scythians. Let's just finish the job. They have really offended me now, so I have my excuse for a war. Yeah, you can do this. Especially if, you know, someone serves you human meat from one of your own court servants. In the Greek myths, this is usually very intensely reprimanded. Yeah, this is probably why Herodotus is putting it there. But yeah, the idea is that (laughs) A, you don't eat human meat, and B... You don't disrespect hosts or guests. This is all a mess. Okay. So, trouble. But at this point, Saxaris says, you know what? I'm going to expel the Scythians once and for all. Mm -hmm. There's still a few in my kingdom. I know how to deal with them. So what he does is he invites them all to a wonderful feast. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come, friends. Bring all your most important people to my palace. It's a trap. No, no. Don't bring any guards. It's okay. I have enough guards for everyone. It's totally fine, especially after the what the hunting party did. I'm sure nobody will suspect anything. Yeah, it's no hard feelings. We're all going to just have a nice feast. Leave we'll your just... weapons at the door. Yeah, we'll patch over any bad blood that we have, and it's going to be fine. No worries. Oh, my God. Did they actually go? They did, what apparently. The... <laughs> what the hell? So... Were they hoping that they could just patch things up because they knew they couldn't just straight up fight the Medians, or...? It could be that maybe they thought, oh, you know, he would never dare to do this. Or maybe it was like, oh, it's just a small group of Scythians that angered him. He's not going to attack all of us. Or, well, what I was suggesting is, do the Scythians think, oh, sh- if we go to battle, we're losing? That could also be. Maybe they were just trying so to keep up appearances chance, yeah. and keep going. But oh. no matter what the case is... Saixaris murders them all at this banquet, yes. mm-hmm. as you would expect. But still some more of the survivors of this feast, maybe maybe the people who are going to the bathroom while the murder mm. happened. Yeah, you know. Oh, I forgot my wallet. Wait, I'll... Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, sorry, I need to run away. Forgot the cat on the stove, that mm. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So they all also flee with their compatriots to the kingdom of Lydia in the mm. west. Right. At this point, Saixaris asks the king of Lydia, called Aleates... Hey, friend. So you're hiding a couple of uh, whippersnappers that uh, I need to have a talk with. Just, you know, nothing serious. I just I just want to talk. I just want to talk. Can yeah. I see them? Yeah. If you want to come to a feast, you know, that can help too. <laughs> you know, I have some leftovers. Please come. Oh my God. Aliatis instead sends a message back to Saixaris and says, No, I'm not giving you these people. They're under my protection. I know what you're going to do to uh. them. They're staying here with me. If you want them, come get them. I can see you holding the sword behind your back. You're not fooling anybody. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very stabby man. Let's not do this. Mm. Also, Lydia is a powerful kingdom. I was going to ask, is the Lydian monarch not afraid of media? Otherwise, he wouldn't offer to protect the Scythians. Yeah, it's a combination of a series of things. First of all, probably doesn't respect media much. Mm. Before Saixaris, media was... A tiny kingdom Nothing. at the end of yes. the world. So it's saying, who are these upstarts that are just coming here pretending to be an empire? Mm. We'll just show them how things really work in the real world. You know, it's easy to fight the Assyrians when they're dying, but we're an actual stable kingdom. Yeah. What are you going to do? The other side of the coin is also that Lydia is obscenely rich. Right. Now, for those of you that are reading ahead, Aliates, the king of Lydia, is the father of Croesus. And in certain countries and languages, rich as Croesus is still a saying in the modern day. Okay, wow. And also, Aliatis had so much gold and silver that he was the first person in history to mint coins. (laughs) Because he had so much of it that he needed a nice, reliable way to have it into discs of a known value. That's very impressive. So... He clearly thinks he has a chance. Yeah, and this makes sense of why he has an attitude of like, oh, this new rich boy who just like happened to stumble upon inheritance and has no idea of what like actually being a noble person is like. That's what it reminded me of. You know? Yeah, he, he has a very clear attitude of saying, I've been here for a long while. We've been rich and powerful for a long while. 
we are not scared of you. You're you just, just some barbarians from right. the edge of the world. Right, right. So what happens is Saixaris goes to war. He decides, okay, fine. This is my chance to get some more land and show the world that the war against Assyria wasn't a one-off thing. We can actually do this consistently. So they go to war and we have six years of war that we don't know very much about. But from what we can tell, it's not moving very far either way. Mm. It's staying roughly along the pre-existing border between Assyria and uh, Lydia, which now is taken up by media. And this all comes to a head at a very impressive battle along the River Halis, which is the Kizilmark River in um, Turkey now. It's about halfway through Anatolia. Now, at this battle, we have the great array of Medians versus the great array of the Lydians. And they come to battle towards the evening. And as they are about to begin their great struggle, what should happen? But they look in the sky. Mm-hmm. It looks like the sun darkens. <gasps> oh, no way! Yes. This is so epic. The sun darkens and an eclipse removes all light from the field of battle. Just as they're about to start. And at this point, the two kings take this as a sign. They meet in the front, shake hands, and say, Okay, this war has gone on long enough. This river will be the border between our kingdoms from now on. That is so cool! It is very cool. Awesome. Two questions. Yes. One, I'm just very impressed that like both kings happen to interpret the eclipse in a, in a similar way and not just, you know, one came being like, this is our chance, we can do it under the cover of night and the other people being like, oh, we should not fight, you know, because that would be a very funny outcome. Yeah, I mean, it could be that also after six years of war, they're like, Any we're excuse? tired, <laughs> sure, the eclipse will do, fine. Yeah, let's say it's a sign, sure, it'll work. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, secondly, I imagine people knew about eclipses. Could they predict them? Interestingly enough, according to Herodotus, this is the first eclipse ever predicted. Oh, oh, that's so cool! Yes. Okay. So, according to Herodotus, Thales of Miletus, who is a Greek, and according to many people, including my high school philosophy textbook... <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, f- that, that person? Yes, is that right. very official source. is the first philosopher in the Greek tradition. Because oh. he's the first man who decides to think about how is the world made, how does this work. Right. He theorizes that all the world is made out of water in different states of, you know, solid, liquid, that sort of thing. Not a bad hypothesis. So he thinks that. And there's also a theorem of Thales in mathematics, if you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, no, I know the guy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Ah, my brain is exploding. Yes, Uh, that Thales. Yes, I know. It's just, it's pronounced so differently. Talis, yeah, it's pronounced so differently. Like my brain could not put two and two together. But yes, we've obviously studied him. I remember the theorem. Talis yeah. of... Miletus. Miletus, yeah. Yes. Talis de Mileto. Si. I know that! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, so cool. So Thales of Miletus is apparently, according to Herodotus, the first person to ever predict an eclipse, and he predicted this specific one. Oh, that's so awesome. Maybe he was also talking with Aliati, saying, hey, this specific day, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, if you time. want to stop, do this thing. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, put the battle, like, right about 2.30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would know that sort of thing. It's unclear if he actually managed to predict an eclipse, mm-hmm. because we don't know if the math existed yet. Right. But there might have been a simplified formula that doesn't always work, but but it might have worked in this case specifically. So that could be the explanation. Because I was of the impression, and like my knowledge of uber history, like I don't know how to explain it, just that that (laughs) what is happening in all places at the same time, so to speak, right? Or what happens in the same period of time, or like when something has happened respect to another thing. I'm not great at that. I'm still trying to deal with the fact that we're closer to Cleopatra than she was to the pyramids. And that when the pyramids were built, there were mammoths at the same time. Yes, history is weird. I, so I struggle with that a lot. So I was wondering, like, when humans started to predict eclipses and, like, when we developed the mathematics for that or the formula. Again, I don't know if I'm correct, but I think it's a big tradition also in the Latin American, North American, South American history the fact that they could predict the movement of astral bodies so 
Yeah, the Mayans when is were, that? The Mayans really enjoyed their, their right, astronomy. Exactly. I'm not sure about their specific predictive abilities for eclipses. I know that definitely they had a lot of ideas about constellations and planets and all that sort of thing. And that's roughly in the first half of the first millennium AD. So in about a thousand years from where we are in oh, okay. this point of history. Oh, okay. So that's what I was I wanted to ask. Like, I, when are the Mayans, for example? Yes, the Mayan classical age is roughly the first half of the first millennium. Compared to where we are now. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> this is difficult. Yeah, but also... So this might be the first predicted eclipse. At least it is in the... Yes, in the Greek tradition, yes. certainly. Because, as we know, the Babylonians also really enjoyed astronomy and mm -hmm. loved doing calculations to see where the stars are from. So mm -hmm. Pythagoras theorem was first yeah. developed in Babylonia. Okay. All that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. We love maths. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> so many people were very interested for a whole number of reasons, just curiosity and hey, it helps you figure out the passing of time and mm -hmm. horoscopes and all that thing. What about the other side of the world, the east from Babylonia? So China and the yeah. Asian cultures, when did they develop? I'm not sure exactly when China started doing this. I think in around this period, I think this is the late Zhou dynasty, mm. they have a lot of astronomical studies and mathematics. I'm not sure about the status of writing it mm -hmm. right now, but overall they okay. do have a lot of interest. It's mostly born out of a desire to have better agriculture, uh -huh. and then it evolved into saying, oh wait, but the stars move regularly, but the planets don't. The planets probably mean something special. Okay, mm. horoscopes. Yeah. Okay, omens and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So all this is very interesting and we have a wonderful eclipse. Uh, sorry and, about the tangent. No, I was just good very interested. <laughs> and also, according to Isaac Asimov, yes. I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but he said it, so sure. This is the earliest historical event this battle, for which we have an exact date. Because we can retrocalculate when, when the eclipse was. When the eclipse was! Oh, of course! So we know that it happened exactly on the 28th of May, 585 BC. That is so cool. So yes, finally we have a battle with details, and it's fun details. Our first date, like actual, reliable, accurate date. Yes, it's, so and it's, very, it's not just a random year this happened, it's not day, month, year. Excellent. Time of day towards the end of the day. It's, it's very so cool. cool. So finally, Syaxaris and Aliatis decide, you know what, let's make peace. The Halis River will be our new border. And again, like with Babylon, they decide to seal it with a marriage. So what happens is that Aliatis gives his daughter in marriage to the son of Syaxaris, who is called Astyages, and is going to be our next episode. Ooh, really cool. Okay. Yes. I see what's happening. Wait, but then are they joining the two empires? They're not joining. It's more just a marriage alliance. So okay. Aliati's daughter is just marrying Saraxari's son. Okay, so she's Just going to make sure towards... that everybody is going to be... She's essentially going to the Median side. Yeah, she's okay. going to go live in Media with her new okay, husband. Okay. And we'll see what fate they have. Mm -hmm. But so far, everything is very nice for Saraxari's. So what he has done right now is very impressive because uh, yeah. he has basically tripled or quadrupled the size of his kingdom in his lifetime. And his southern border is safe because he has a marriage alliance with Babylon. Mm -hmm. His western border is safe because he has a marriage alliance with the Lydians. To the north, the, he has the Caucasus Mountains protecting him from the steppe. And to the east, he has a strongly mountainous part of Iran where there aren't really any settled kingdom that could threaten him. Nice. So, very good deal. Yeah, he, no, he, wow. I'm so impressed. Yeah, it's very impressive how we managed to do all It might all be because this. our previous two contestants were a little bit underwhelming, but also just, wow, so many things. So not only has he actually developed media into an empire and like quadrupled its size and give it, given it riches from the enemies that they defeated and no longer have that threat, and gotten rid of the other thread from the Scythians, but also he has actually established the Median Empire as a respectable empire. Yes, that can it's hold no its ground, that can battle, that is like a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, it's no longer this little barbarian upstart. They are a known kingdom. Now that Assyria is gone, the world in this little corner of it is divided among four major powers. So we have Egypt, the Neo-Babylonian Empire, Lydia, and now Media is one of the 
great powers of this Incredible. corner of the world. Although, just to warn you, media, it's not as much as an empire as we would expect it from, say, thinking Rome, the British Empire, that sort of thing. Right. It isn't that centralized. So the idea is that Saixaris is the first man of our list to adopt the title of King of Kings. And so the idea is that media is probably not so much a unified empire as a union of different little kingdoms, all of which are subject to media itself that, that is sense. ruled by Saixaris. Right. That's why the title King of Kings. Yeah, because you, you rule king over other kings. kings. Yes, yes, yes. But yes, so after a long and fruitful life, and apparently, according to Herodotus, a reign of 40 years, Saixaris dies in the same year as the Battle of the Eclipse, and oh. he gives to his heir a large and powerful empire, okay. finally respectable so and cool. strong. So that is the end of Saixaris. We don't know much about his death, unfortunately, but, you know, the rest was impressive. But I guess, you know, he didn't die in battle because that battle didn't happen, right? And that was the last thing. Who knows? It might be some other natural causes. Yeah. I mean, he's been reigning for 40 years. Yeah. He's probably a certain age already. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's happens. seen some stuff. Yeah, a lot has happened. So now it's time to rate Saixaris. That was awesome. Yay, an Big awesome fan. one. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> cool. Okay, so our first round is final moments about how interesting was Saixari's death. Uh, this is sadly, I guess, the weakest. Yeah, he we doesn't know get anything. much of this, unfortunately, yeah. but we know nothing. He just died, not violently, or at least not violently enough to be notable, and uh, died after a long reign, so we can assume it was natural causes. So I'd be going for zero. Yeah, me too. Okay, so zero and zero for final moments gives a zero out of ten for Saixaris. Next category is battle hardness. So how good was he at fighting and commanding armies and ruling militarily? Well, so this was awesome. Like, essentially, I guess, I don't know if it was him personally that came up with it or some general of his, but since we are essentially through him rating his whole reign, whoever it was... Someone came up with battle strategy and army distribution and different techniques. And that is so freaking cool. And obviously served him well because he... Yeah, it, it clearly worked. ...won most battles. He didn't manage to win the first one against the Assyrians. Yeah, but to be um, fair, it was just after his yeah, father was exactly. killed in battle. So he was just like picking up the, the few soldiers who could still walk and be like, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> And everyone was like, oh god, okay, we didn't die in this one, I guess we will die on the next one. Yeah, I think that's his but main that, demerit, because yeah. after that, what does he do? He conquers the Manaeans. Those are gone forever. Yes. He conquers Ashur. Yes. That's gone. Together with the Babylonians, he manages to conquer Nineveh and yes. basically destroy the Assyrian Empire. He conquers Urartu. Yes. Then once he's done that, he manages to fight the Lydians to a standstill, at and the very the least. The Scythians... I mean, I well, don't I mean, know if you'd he, consider that fighting, but... Maybe it wasn't... Less I mean, of a depends. battle and more of an ambush, but, you know... Yeah, He I gets mean, rid of his rule, and then... Yeah, he, just... he basically becomes strong enough yes. that, that the Scythians are no longer a problem. That's what I meant, yes. So overall, that's pretty impressive, his battle hardness. It's I'd, uh, amazing. It's very good. I'm not sure... What are you aiming for? What's your... Well, since the only things I have to compare him to is our past two kings, <laughs> I'm going to say this is a nine. And I'm taking just nine. one point okay. off from losing that first battle. For, for going to the battle at all. Like, yeah, that wasn't a great He should plan. have not. Yeah, he should have not. He clearly didn't have a cool head at the time. He was just very angry about his dad dying. Yeah, probably just vengeance to the brain. Yeah. yeah. So nine. Um, I'm... You have the context of like yeah. what comes next. So obviously, it's still very impressive. I'm. Uh, I I don't think I can give him ten for the starting battle because yeah, that's that's a lot. But otherwise, I think I can give him less. He didn't really fail in any other field. He did awesome. I he... would. You know what? I'm going to give him an eight. Okay. Just because. He doesn't really defeat Lydia. They just that's come true. to a standstill. That's true. Which, you know, it's good. But th that's because they're matched in force, right? Yeah, like, true, they true, fight true. for six years, and then they're like, okay, let's just call it a draw. 
Yeah, I mean, that's true. But I think to get higher, Obviously, I would have to have him yes. defeat them. Okay, okay. Them. So that I'm going to go with That would have been really intense. Though. Yeah, I mean, if he goes and just stomps Lydia at that point and just extends to Greece, that's impressive. Because, like you said, there's these four essentially equal empires at the yeah. time. And if he had taken over one of the other yeah, three... Yeah, then he then, becomes yeah. the new world power, essentially. Yeah. There's no one who can stand in his but place. But that's uh, an alternate hi- but, history. Sure, of course. But yeah, so I'm going to go with an eight, and you can stay with a nine. Uh, you know, you've, you've, I don't, I'm just very excited about his <laughs> I mean, work. you know. No, I'll keep the nine. We can always revise it. We can always yeah, revise it later. Revise it. Okay, so this uh, gives us a total of 17 out of 20 for Battle Hardness. Awesome. Our highest score out of three. Surprise, surprise. Good job, The <laughs> Next category is scheminess. So how many plots did he engage in? How tricksy was he? I just... <laughs> I cannot deal with the fact that after being openly very angry and, depending on who you ask, very disrespectful to the Scythians... Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, totally come over for a feast. It's totally going to be fine. And, like, they still went. Yeah. Because, like, I would call that schemy, but, like, that was very clear what his intentions were. I mean, the invitation probably had some fine print somewhere, you know. Get your affairs in order before coming here. Say goodbye to your wife, you know. Yeah, it was probably just enough that they were convinced, no, he's nice, you know. Sykes would never. But, like, I feel like that deserves points for scheminess yeah i feel like that deserves points besides that what did he do not that it was mostly much yeah it was mostly fighting it was and it was relatively clean yeah. fighting it wasn't any i don't know if you want to give him any points for maybe pre-planning the battle of the eclipse did he though like did he we get don't to know. talk to talus and then and... i don't know if we don't know then we don't know yeah fine We'll assume, meh. So He could have pre-planted, the Lydian king could have also pre-planted. Like sure. we don't. Okay, fine. So we can just knock it out. I'll give him... Is this out of ten as well? This is out of ten, yeah. These are uh, out of ten. Like now. a six. Six out of ten? Okay. Like, pretty schemey. Also not, like, an incredibly diabolical plan. Like, I guess because, you know, we have the benefit of history and, like, knowing what he's going to do, probably it was better done if, like, all the important Scythian people went... It wasn't so clear, but to me it's a bit funny. That yeah, it's like, sure, well, it's not. if this happened and then the same man says, hey, bring all of your important people here, I will have a feast. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's not not bad ideal. So, so you're going for six. I'm going to go so. for maybe a bit less, mostly because it's... Like, it's fine. Yeah. I'm not... Honestly, like, I might it might go It isn't too flamboyant. Like, yeah. there isn't a fun flourish. That's what I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, it's clever, but like... Yeah, it's okay. Very obvious. Yeah. I think I'm aiming more for, like, a four or something. No, I'll give him a five. Five? Okay, yes. so four and five. You're a big psych sorry. Still a really cool story. I really enjoyed it. It was Yeah, really it's, really it's a nice stuff. So, for Scheminus, nine out of 20 for psych sorry. Mm-hmm. Which is actually just after Diakis. So, Diakis with his whole yes. plotting to become king. But his, his boulders in the house. <laughs> <laughs> boulders in the house were a nice touch. I love that we just kind of made up some story for Diarchies. Yeah. Like, nothing to do with a man, but you know. Uh, you know, Herodotus did the work for yeah. us, so that helps. At least this one was probably true. Yeah, it was likely. Next category is shock factor. So, how scandalous is he yeah. overall? That much. Here, yeah, here the thing I like the I'd say, story, but I don't think that really sa- counts as it's scandalous. It's not especially scandalous. Nothing happened. I think for scandal, it's going to be the Scythians again, but yeah. it's more the fact that you are killing your guests. Yes. He is being disrespectful to the Scythians. That ends up in the murder of a young yeah. median boy. Oh, God, that is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, yeah, it's not massive, get, but... He needs to get some points for that. I hadn't thought of that. Yet. Yeah. Yeah, he managed to offend the Scythians enough that they went to murder. Yeah, which they also shouldn't have done. Sure, but, I mean, but not justifying reacted, that. But he reacted still. badly, like the Scythians, you know, you can have a bad hunting day. They didn't owe yeah. him anything. Actually, he owed them. So. Yeah, technically he was the so his subject fault, here, really. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So, shock factor, what's your plan? Uh, it's... Say a three. 
Maybe three, yeah. Just because, uh, well, the breaking of like uh, disrespecting your host, but then like offering human flesh for dish, like the whole thing is very like, <gasps> oh my god! Like even at the time, here's one of the things that we find uh, we agree on. We would both find it very shocking, both in present day and back then. Yes. To do something like that. It is frowned upon. Maybe not so much the disrespecting your host. I mean, that would have been seen as impolite, but... Still, murdering your dinner guests. No, 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 no. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) I meant more his, you know, his Insulting his guests, sure. So I'm... I'm going to go for about, like, a two, honestly. Okay. So two and three. Keep me grounded. I'm just enthusiastic that we're having finally something (laughs) to write. So two and three gives him five points out of 20 for shock factor. Again, one point under Diakis. You know, we kind of made up (laughs) Diakis. Next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for media, for his empire? What did he do? Uh, Amazing. (laughs) He was pretty amazing. He created one of the biggest empires at the time and like made it respectable and made it stable and just was amazing. Yeah. It was great. Not just... 10 out of 10. Like, would recommend. (laughs) Get yourself your own SAG series. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I don't know if I'm going for a full 10, but... You know, to list his achievements, he's managed to create this massive empire. And not just that, he's managed to secure it by giving marriage alliances to the bordering kingdoms for the foreseeable future, for the next generation at least. His empire is safe. Yeah. There's nothing that can touch him. Exactly. So that's really impressive. It's so good. Like, say it. (laughs) It's so good. It is really good. My only thing for not going to attend is that he didn't make any large building projects That's or fair. reforms or that. I mean, there isn't much to reform. There's nothing there. He didn't build there. the Hanging Gardens, whatever. <laughs> he inspired the building of the Hanging Gardens through his granddaughter or daughter. Yeah. But yeah. His son slash grandson-in-law was cooler yeah. fine. With the benefit of foresight, I feel yes. like... It is all very, very impressive, but there's just this little something missing to make it perfect. Well, with no benefit of foresight, and also just thinking that, like, we can give 10 out of 10 to more than one person. Sure, sure, sure. At the time that we are in history, we're like, there's no chance that he could have had, you know, a giant empire encompassing half of the world. Like, that just hasn't happened yet, no, ever. Sure. It's, not a, it's not an option. It's not a thing. I think for the time where he is, when when he lived and the cards that he was dealt, 10 out of 10 would recommend. I'm still going to go for the 9 because I require some architecture for my... He didn't care enough about culture. Yes. (laughs) Didn't build enough cool things. Infrastructure. But still, building an empire is still nice. Yeah. So at a total of 19 out of 20 for Aaron Shine. Yes. Top Aaron Shine person. Good man. Next category is Face of Faces. We get to see what he looks like. Oh my goodness. Hooray! I haven't haven't drawn him. Wait, I have no idea how I imagine him. He was an angry man, right? Like very angry, yes. He was angry enough to to cause child murder. Yes, short temper. Yes. Mm. There we go. I have it here. Okay, so let me see what Serial drew. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So we have an angry man with scary anime eyes. Rubbing his hands together, saying, Ah, invite them to dinner. My treat. So, I like this. It's very nice. Also, good beard. You're Strong, welcome. powerful beard. I yes. enjoy this. I went for a more straight cut this time. Yeah, it's nice. Cut. So, I'll show you what might be the face of Saxaris. And, interestingly enough, we might have a contemporary portrait of him oh finally okay yes wonderful. we don't know if it's his so the thing is that we have a tomb of some sort of royal figure from around the time Syaxaris died and within the confines of the median empire but it's not in media itself okay so some people think it might just be a local king but we don't care we have a contemporary portrait so we're going to use it so i'm going to spin this around so you can see so Syaxaris is the fellow to the right and he is 
giving some sort of offering to a god. Ooh. And this is technically a funerary monument. That's very cool. I mean, not that far off from what I drew, because, again, he has a beard and a kind of long-ish hair, which I guess is the style at the time. Yeah, he has this sort of helmet-like crown that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. In front of him, he has this bow to show that he will. He is a warrior king and he is a powerful martial man. And he has a interesting-ish robe. I really like it. I like. I love the, the fashion choices. I love that he has a bow. I love the robe that he has on top of his clothes or his armor. Like, he looks regal. Yeah, I, I like, like this. a regal man. I really like it, yeah. We're going to get better portraits, but as a start, it's reasonably impressive. If it is him. Well, you know, kind of fits what I imagined. So, honestly, yes. Yeah. I say... 8 out of 10 only because it doesn't have that much detail. Obviously, this is very old. No, but 9 out of 10 because it is it is contemporary. It is contemporary. gives yes. it extra points. <laughs> I'm going to go... Hmm, I'm going to go 7 out of 10 partially for the detail thing and also because we're not sure if it's him. Uh, that's true. There is no big text out front saying this uh, is Saxaris. It's just... You're you know, right. it's within the time frame and space frame, but... Yeah. Then maybe I go back to 8. 8 out of 10. Okay, because so. it's still really cool and it matches kind of like what I expected. But again, maybe not the most reliable. Okay, fair enough. That works. So with a 7 and an 8, multiplying and adding and dividing with all our magical Ooh. tools... Excel, we get rescue. <laughs> we get 3.8 points out of 5 for Face of Faces. Which, Wonderful. Nice. Also, highest score. Yeah. Hooray. Makes sense. And finally, we have lengthiness. How many years did he reign? 40 40 years. Nice round number. And if we just divide that by 10, that gives him four points out of five for lengthiness, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. So altogether, this gives us a total score of 57.8 out of 100 for Saixaris, making him... By a long margin, the best king we've had so yes, far. as I would expect. The second one is Diakis with 32.8, so mm-hmm. Saxaris has like 25 points on him. <laughs> That's very impressive. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Our other two options were Diakis, which most of it was legend, and that makes it for a good story, and so we could just put things in there if we wanted to. And Ferrortes, who did this really awesome thing of going against the Assyrians and then it immediately died. Yeah, so Saxaris is miles ahead. Yes. He's a lot more impressive. But how impressive is he? Is he impressive enough to be declared a Shahanshah? Or is he rather just a Shahanna? I think. Yes. We might have our first Shahanshah of the podcast. Do you? Because I am sure, I'm sure there's going to be more interesting people in the Empire. But like, isn't this f- awesome? This is really awesome. Yes. Isn't this incredible? Like, I am totally going to tell people about the fact that he had this eclipse battle and they decided to like keep it in a draw because like the eclipse happened. Like, that is so freaking cool. That's, that's really That's good. going to stick with me. So I am definitely, yes. Right, yeah. Before the episode, I was half and half mm. because my idea is that, yes, it is cool that there's all this stuff. The Battle of the Eclipse is really awesome and everything. Yeah. But my downside is that I don't feel like I know him personally. Well, and the Scythians and like the whole thing with yeah. Banquet and obviously the relevant thing is making media into an empire and one of the main powers of, of the world in that area and all of that. Yeah, so the fact is that I don't feel like I know him personally, but mm. still, all of this is just impressive enough that I'm I'm willing to go with your judgment. Yes! yes! We can have our first Shah and Shah Saixaris. So congratulations, Saixaris. You can wait for everyone else in your wonderful palace in paradise, and we'll come back to you at the end when we get to choose who the best yep. King of Kings was. So congratulations, we finally made it, episode three. You're safe from the Seamorgs. Yes, Good job. you're safe from being torn apart by Simorgs. You can just wave goodbye to the Aukas and Fororities while you go to your nice palace. <laughs> Whoever they are, you know, yeah. just Whoever, these concepts you know, of... These potential people, we don't know. I really liked this episode. This was really, really fun. Like, I really like this guy. Again, obviously, we do not have the most reliable sources or... Because it was so long ago. It was, like, 
at the half point of history. <laughs> exactly. But this was so epic. I feel like I would tell tell people about it, and I feel like, much like uh, the host of the Tattles Rankium decided to judge if someone should get the title or not by would you tell somebody else about this person? I feel like that is a good method. Yeah, that's a good metric to know. Okay, yes. is this person worth it? And yeah, I think Saixaris is fair enough. We can uh, yes. add him to our pantheon and we'll come back to him later. Amazing. We'll judge our next Shahanshahs on him, essentially. We're gonna come back, for sure. <laughs> We're gonna yes. come back and redo like these rankings. That's fine. I'm sure this is gonna be good enough. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so that is the end of episode three, Saixaris. We so, did it! What's going to happen to his empire now that he's gone? Is it going to flourish? Is it going to fail? Oh. Who knows? Yeah, I was kind of expecting it to go even better because we are talking about the Persian Empire, but like maybe we get a bit, we take a bit to get there, so I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to find out what Astyages, his son, right. and son-in-law of the King of Lydia now. Exactly. You know, what's he going to do? Is he going to be impressive? Is he going to live up to his father? Is he going to mm. surpass him somehow? We'll have to find out in the next episode. Will he lose half of the Empire? Hopefully not. Potentially. Will he lose it all? We don't know. Okay. You'll get to find out next week in Astyages episode, episode four. So, yeah. Thank you for joining us for this episode with our first Shah and Shah. Finally, yes. tell your friends. We have one. <laughs> we did it. No longer false advertising. Yes, finally. Also, thank you so much for making it to the end of the episode. If you're still listening, we are very grateful. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope it was a good time. I guess tell your friends or leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. Uh, we're very happy to hear from you. Or just send us an email if you want to. Our details will be written somewhere in the description of this episode. Yeah, we're going to have all of the information on our socials, emails, website, all yeah. of that nice stuff. You can look it up and get more information or talk to us we enjoy fans yeah indeed and i guess until next week take care until next week have a good one goodbye goodbye <laughs> the longest part you should just leave it don't try to edit it just leave it like it is <laughs>